0: in uh and how he has he I mean he, he is he is making himself known all over. He makes himself known. He opens in and shuts doors. Now in Genesis twelve we have the call of uh Abram or Abraham and I'm gonna say Abraham a bunch of times when I should be saying Abram because I, I have that in my my mind. Uh, but in Genesis twelve One, God's word says, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you All the families of the earth shall be blessed in you, all the families of the earth, which means all the nations of the earth are going to are going to come through the descendants of Abraham, this this blessing. And so here we see uh, uh, God's heart uh, for the nations. Let's pray. Uh, before we start. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you have not been silent, but that you have spoken, or that you have made yourself known, Lord. And so we don't have to sit here and wonder what we are to think, or or what we are to be about, Lord, because you have, you have told us this. And what a privilege it is to know you, and to be known by you. What a blessing this is, Lord. And, and we pray, Lord, as we look to your to your word, that we would just have a, a greater love for the things that you love. And we pray all this in uh, Jesus' name. You know, life can be uh, uh, kind of crazy at times. The last few years have been challenging uh, for us all. I remember when COVID first broke out and we didn't know what it was and we were all kind of hunkered down in our home wondering, you know, what is this thing that's uh, shutting down the whole world and uh, You know, ministry during that time was really, really a challenge. Uh, All my uh, pastor friends would say, you know, how's the ministry? And I would look at them and I would say, seriously? How is yours? I was like, it is so hard right now during COVID. All these students are are locked down and hidden. They're afraid to come out. Internationals were even more so than Americans because they were, they'd been watching too much television and they were believing too many things (laughs) that I thought were kind of, I mean, you know, two extremes maybe, but uh, they were really afraid. I, I remember having a conversation with this one student. He, I mean, these students that we're dealing with are really smart. They're Ph.D. students. They're not average, run-of-the-mill students from their country. They are the brightest, really smart. And I was talking to this one student, and, uh, and we were social distance. We, uh, and I think I was the first person he had met outside of his home. His, his wife was so afraid. And, and uh, I said, what do you think is going to happen to you if you get covid and he said, well, you know, the hospital is so expensive, and, you know, we don't have great insurance as students. I said, you're not going to go to the hospital if you get COVID. You're just not. I said, you know, I just read there were 400,000 students in America. I mean, all these American college kids were getting COVID. It was crazy. At Auburn, they were getting COVID, but they weren't reporting it. They were going uh, to, the, to the clinics off campus. And the reason for doing so was because they – they didn't want them to cancel the football season, so all these students were getting COVID, and they were, you know, I mean, they were, and, and I mean, I knew so many people who had COVID, and it just wasn't affecting students as it was other people. Now it was affecting some people, you know, badly, and so we needed to be wise. I don't want to act like it's, it's nothing, but there were 400,000 college kids that had COVID. Guess how many were in the hospital? There were three, <laughs> and of those three, they all had underlying health conditions. So it was affecting different ages differently. I'm, I'm a little bit older. You know, but my eighty-five-year-old dad had it, and he called me, and you know, he told me he was like, "Well, I've got good news and bad news. The bad news is I have COVID. The good news is this really hasn't been bad." Now, I just had it a month ago, and it was pretty bad. <laughs> I heard this last one wasn't supposed to <coughs> wasn't supposed to be, but uh, I beg to differ. Uh, but I told this young man, "I said you won't go." likely, you know, you'll, you'll be at home for, for a week. You're going to quarantine for two weeks. But you're not going to the hospital. But this is how the students were thinking. They were all so afraid. And living in a foreign country, and they know how expensive. You know, uh, medical uh, procedures in our country are very, very expensive. Much, much so than in other countries. You know, a lot of these students will fly home to get dental work. It, they can actually save money. Flying home and getting their, their dental work done, then to do it here, it can be so expensive. You know, you can, some dental procedures can run into several thousand dollars, and they can get home and get it done for a hundred dollars and come back, which is which is crazy. So they're very intimidated by that. So that was just really challenging. But the last year has been just such a life changing for I think for all of us. It's just it's it's uh, been a, a new a new start. And an opportunity to engage students from the world from all over it just it just blows my mind that the Lord tells us to go and disciple the nations and then He brings them uh, to our backyard. He does and uh, uh, and honestly i can 't believe I get paid to do what i do it is It is so enjoyable. If I were independently wealthy, I think I would do this anyway. I just wouldn't have to raise support or travel around as much. I would just, you know, stay in Auburn. But, uh, you know, interacting with, with these students who are from everywhere, and, uh, you know, it's an uh, education in in so many ways, uh, about the world. But the one thing that I see is, no matter where you're from, people have the same basic needs. People have the same, basic needs. When we look at this passage here, the Lord tells Abraham, he says, uh, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to a land that I will show you. Can you imagine? Hey, we're going to move. Get ready to move. I'll tell you where we're going when we get there. Can you imagine this? No. I mean, it's this. we read this and we don't think about how crazy this really is. Go from your country, your kindred, and your father's house. Go from everything that is familiar. Go, to, go from your community. Go, go from the people that you love the most to another place that I'm going to let you know later. Uh, this, is, this is self-sacrificial service. He tells him to go. And then he tells him, uh, the Lord tells Abraham uh, what he's going to do. And it's the Lord telling Abraham what the Lord is going to do. And sometimes, you know, we, we lose perspective. We, we see things just from our own perspective, and we don't see that God really is at work in us, through us, and around us. He is. He says, I will make you a great nation. Now, what's ironic about this statement? I will make you a great nation. Does anybody uh, know how old Abram is at this time? He's about 75 years old. He has no children. You know, I mean, they're, they're kind of beyond that age. And he's going he's gonna to make you a great nation. He goes on, I will bless you. And I'm going to make your name great. So that you will be a blessing. And he says, and I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse. I will bless those who bless you, and in, in him who dishonors you, I will curse. And then he says, and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So we see from the very beginning, you know, God's God's heart for the nations, but he but he makes this, this promise to Abraham that he's going to do something that is really beyond logic. Tells this older man, you know, uh, leave everything, leave your protection. Go somewhere else. Calls him to travel hundreds of miles to a new land. He promises him descendants, wealth, and land. But Abraham has no kids. After being married for many years, he and his wife are old. And the land that he has promised is occupied. I mean, this does not look good. And from our perspective, it, it looks bad. You know, and at any point in time, we can evaluate what's going on around us, and things can just seem really bad. They can. Um, our perspective is so very limited. You know, so this is why it's not wise to stand in judgment over the actions of God at any particular point in history. Give things time. You know, the Lord, the the Lord works, and He, you know, He makes this promise to Abraham. But, you know, He didn't have children in the next year. And and for those of you who are familiar with the story, you know how long He waited, and then He thought, well, maybe, you know, the Lord wants to give us children through other means, and He and Sarah come up with other, you know, Plan B. Which God did not tell him to do. Sometimes we try to take things into our own hand. We don't wait on the Lord. We're not the most patient culture, you know. We we, we want everything instantly, and and um, well, Abram wasn't either. He was not either. But we see early on through Abram's call of God's intention not to restrict His love to. to To Abram and his his descendants, as so many people think, you know, just, you know, God just loves the Jewish people and he doesn't love anyone else. But it was through them that they were to be the instruments by which the world experienced God's blessing. This wasn't this wasn't a holy huddle that God was calling them into, that they were the means by which God was going to bless the peoples from every tribe, tongue and. A nation. And we see this throughout the scriptures. Uh, to Abraham's son Isaac, he says, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and will give them all these lands, and through your offspring all the nations on earth will be blessed. This is he this is to Abraham's son Isaac. And then to Isaac's son Jacob in Genesis twenty-eight, whom God also named Israel, he said, Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. So from the very beginning, it was it was God's will for his people to spread his blessings to the world. And this theme continues on throughout the scriptures in the Psalms. Psalm 86, all the nations you have made will come and worship before you, O Lord. They will Bring glory to your name. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all the peoples. And then in Psalm 96, ascribe to the Lord, O families of nations, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. It's so very clear when we look at the scriptures that, that uh, God's intention from the beginning and throughout history, he is gathering the people to himself from every nation, from every nation. And he says that Jesus fulfilled the prophecy in Isaiah 42. Here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one I love in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him. And he will proclaim justice to the nations. Skipping on down. In his name, the nations will put their hope. And then it is in the gospel that Jesus gives the great commission. The marching orders for his church. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Peter, in his in one of his sermons, makes this statement to the Jews. And he says, And you were heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. And he said to Abraham, "Though you're all, Through your offspring all peoples on earth will be blessed, in Acts uh, 3. But then even Peter didn't... Uh, wholly understand the implications of this until he was brought to the home of the centurion, Cornelius. And in Romans, therefore the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. It is written, I have made you a father of many nations. Verse 18, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations. Just it has been said, so shall your offspring be. And this leads to the next point. In Christ, the many peoples become one people of God. The many peoples become one people of God. You know, but uh, before... Uh, before Christ came, really, the distinction was was you know Jew and Gentile. That distinction is no more, contrary to what uh, even many Christians believe. The distinction is not between Jew and Gentile. Uh, there are not two peoples of God; there is one people of God. The distinction is between those who are in Christ and those who are not. You may be a Jew who is in Christ or you may be a Gentile who is in Christ, but the dividing wall of the law has been removed according to Ephesians, and the two have now become one. This is speaking of Jew and Gentile. So, there, so this dis- distinction between Jew and Gentile is no more. That, uh, that will preach, <laughs> but I'm going to move on. Uh, Christ uh, has made the many one people of God. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have have closed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. You are all one in Christ. If you per- belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And then in the last book of, of of the Bible, uh, the book of Revelation, the one which I think most people find very difficult uh, to completely understand. It's written in apocalyptic uh, literature, and and so it uses signs and and wonders, I think, to 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 tell a truth. Uh, but in this book, it talks about uh, uh, the many nations that Christ died to save people from every people group in the world, Revelation 9. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God that they will reign on the earth. You know, God will be worshiped by all All the peoples, and so he's he's gathering the people to himself from all over, and and we can look at history, and we can see, you know, how the Lord has done that. You know, but God has chosen that men would be saved by the foolishness of the gospel proclaimed, because the gospel is foolish to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. You know, sometimes I talk to people about the Lord, and you can just tell I can I can see their face. And, and Americans are so like this. If they're not Christians, they just think, oh, bless your heart. You're just so ignorant, and, you know, and, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. Uh, and, and many of these are, are, are the young people that are being raised today, uh, uh, the young people. You know, we, we desperately need to prepare our kids for what they're going to face at college uh, before, we, before we send them off. Uh, things are, are, are. I had this one student here recently show me just the things that he was being taught in his American lit class, and I just could not believe it. It, it just it was so, so very bad. So, discipling the nations means discipling our children. You know, God has. God uses families, that's the basic building block of, of society, of the church. But God is gathering a people to himself. And so he even says in, in Galatians that, um, that God was re, uh, referring to the gospel when he told Abraham that he would bring blessings to the nation. And Galatians 3, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scriptures foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, in you... Shall all the nations be blessed? So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham. A couple of closing uh, applications. Uh, first of all, following Christ involves sacrifice. Following him involves sacrifice. You know, some people, they, they, they come up against uh, uh, challenges, burdens, and they think, oh, God doesn't love me. And it's like, no, we live in a fallen world. Life uh, life is not in fact, when you become a Christian, sometimes it can get tougher it 's not that it 's not that uh, being a Christian means that god 's going to protect us from every hard circumstance. You know if you look at the call to david and, and i mean he was seventy five years old and tells him to leave everything that 's familiar and, and, and to go to a place he doesn 't even know and then makes him wait for for some twenty five years before even he begins to see god 's promises. Fulfilled in his life. 25 years. That's a long time. You know, and, and so God is not on your timetable. Yeah. I, it's, it, it's, it's really frustrating at times. But he is not on your timetable. I, I, some, I, I struggle with the same things. I become very impatient. You know, but I'm on the Lord's timetable. We all are. And so following him is not easy. In fact, uh, one one great historic theologian summarized the Christian life as a life of self-denial. The life of self-denial. Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Well, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? The life of a Christian is a life of self-denial. We see this in Abraham. We see we, we see the struggles that he faced, but we see it in our own our own lives. You know, there are things that we think that we need that we want, and they just seem to be out of our grasp. You know, and we sometimes face terrible difficulties and challenges. You know, I, if I have one more health issue, you know. I had, uh, you know, first I had I had uh, emergency open heart surgery. I think I told y'all about that last time I was here, and uh, but the Lord, you know, the Lord preserved my life. I, I, the nurse said I wouldn't have made it through the weekend. I didn't even know I was sick. Uh, in February, I'm playing pickleball with a bunch of college students, and I'm winning. I'm, I, I grew up playing tennis, so I thought, you know, pickleball is a great game to play with these students, and it's good for all the, for those of us who are older because it's a little bit slower. And uh, so I'm out there playing pickleball, and and then the next thing I know, I'm laying flat on the ground, going, "What did I just do? I, my ankle is not right, and I had to, I had torn uh, my Achilles tendon. Not something that I recommend. I go to the doctor and. I was like, I didn't twist it. I don't know what's wrong. And he said, I think you tore your Achilles tendon. I said, I did not do that. What are my other options? <laughs> and, and he was, you know, and he says, well, I can fix it. It's real easy, you know, a little surgery, but it's real fast. But the rehab only takes six to eight months. Yeah, six to eight. He says, the longest rehab you kind of face. And so I'm in, what month am I in? So, yeah, so anyway, and, and so I'm like, Lord, you know, I'm talking to a Christian friend, and he was like, What is the Lord trying to tell you? And I was like, Do you want to die? That's <laughs> what I said to my friend, uh, who, who's, uh, who's a minister. Life is not always easy. I mean, it's a little bit discouraging. I couldn't drive for six weeks. Yeah. If I had hurt my, the doctor said I couldn't drive, and I said, Yes, I can. I drove here. <laughs> And he said, you're not supposed to drive, and if you get caught, they're going to ask me if I told you not to drive, and I will tell them that I told you not to drive. I said, I want a doctor who's not a Christian. (laughs) I don't want this in writing. You can't not, you know, Uh, anyway. So, I mean, it was very frustrating. It was not my plan. You know, but. To follow Christ does not mean it is easy. So if you're facing difficulties, hang in there. It might get worse before it gets better. But the end is great. The end is great. God's call on Abraham is not different than his call for you. You are called to deny yourself and follow Christ. Your natural inclinations are to pursue what makes you happy and comfortable. That's what we want, isn't it, to be comfortable and happy, for our children to be well and prosperous, and yes. But the scriptures say, for it has been granted to you uh, for the sake of Christ that you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now here that I still have. You know, and so the the writer of this, of this uh, epistle, you know, he, a lot of hard things happened to him, but he stayed the course. He didn't say, oh, you know, God doesn't love me. Look, look at all these terrible things. And he was beaten and thrown in prison and, you know, shipwrecked overseas a couple of times. Th- I mean, just lots of terrible things. He was whipped, you know. Forty minus one a couple times. I mean, it was not normal persecution. Secondly, the gospel is for the nations. The Great Commission, where to disciple the nations, uh, and the nations are, are are just you know are uh, at our doorstep. You know, and and so we're you know you're called to disciple your community. That's that's a part of the nations. That's a part of the nations. And so, you know, uh, God has. Uh, called us to be his ambassadors as though God were imploring through us to be reconciled to God. And so that's my challenge uh, to you and, and to me, uh, you know, as I seek to reach international students at Auburn through friendship evangelism, you know, and, and it's through baby steps. and and uh, But, I, you know, I, I serve them and love them and uh, do lots of things to try to help Students and uh, just become really good friends, and that's the same way that you know that that you're gonna impact other people in your community. It's not to you know see them occasionally and, and give them a track that really isn't the most effective. I'm not against tracks. I have some, but you know but not only to share the gospel but to sh- be willing to share our very lives. And, and see what the Lord does. I'll close with this verse about Abraham. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise. As in a foreign land and living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Let's pray. Father, thank you uh, for this morning, Lord, and for the privilege it is to be able to gather together as a local body of believers. Lord, and and I pray, Lord, for, for this church. I pray, Lord God, that you would bless them with your presence above all else. Lord, that you would be at work, that you would grant repentance where it is needed. Lord, that we would uh, turn from our sinful ways and, and, and walk after you. Lord, I pray for their pastor who is uh, away for, for a short time and uh, getting rest. And I pray, Lord, that he would come back refreshed. Lord, and uh, I thank you for his, uh, his faithful service here. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.